The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Who was this person? Officer Mark Gamble couldn't help but wonder as he prepared to make his move. It was the same question most cops asked themselves before they approached an unknown. Gamble could only make out a few details from where he sat on the San Francisco police motorcycle. The BMW parked up ahead stuck out like a sore thumb, and there was no one else around, and no reason to be parked where it was, on a dead end in Golden Gate Park. Gamble could see the back of a head in the driver's seat, a barely moving head of bushy hair. He could also see the tags on the BMW's plate. September 1984. Expired four months ago. Such an innocuous thing. Expired registration, but as any cop will tell you, a minor detail like that almost always led to a major discovery. Shit, most of the crazy stories other cops told over beers after a long day's shift began with the expired tag setup. A puff of smoke escaped from the BMW's window. Gamble could smell something burning, and it wasn't the BMW's exhaust. The question entered his mind again. Who was this person? You never knew in a situation like this. Could be a confused 80-year-old man. Could be some punk on parole with a loaded weapon and a death wish. Gamble turned his bike off and began the short walk to the car ahead. Typically, he'd catch a whiff of the ocean, but all he could smell in this moment was the burnt plastic or rubber coming from the inside of the Beamer. As he approached, he could see it was a man, mid to late 40s, a bushy whitish gray beard to match his wild mop of hair. Gamble watched the man fumble with a piece of tinfoil in his fingers, silver shine dulled by some sticky brown residue. When the guy caught sight of Gamble, he quickly dropped the tinfoil in between the car's front seats, and then he reached down in front of the driver's seat on the floor like he was looking for something else to hide. Shit, Gamble thought, another burnout. Gamble turned his attention to the passenger seat, an open briefcase filled with pieces of paper and a bunch of small bindles of brown and white substances. More residue, burn marks, a glass cooker, some cigarette lighters, a razor, some cash, cotton swabs, and one playing card, the seven of hearts. Nothing lucky about any of it. It was like the guy was begging to be caught. Officer Gamble started talking, license and registration, and the man found the registration in the glove box, but he had no license on him. He identified himself as Jerome John Garcia, born August 1st, 1942. It took Gamble a minute, but 
He looked at the man's disheveled appearance, and he knew it had to be true. That didn't make it any easier to believe. The Jerry Garcia, freebasing in Golden Gate Park? Didn't that just seem a little too, you know, dark for the leader of the Grateful Dead? He who calls the tune for the legions of the great unwashed with happy dancing bears on their colorful tie-dyes? On the other hand, Gamble had the answer to his initial question. He now knew who the person was sitting in this car and knew what he was doing. But on the other hand, it led to more questions, like who was Jerry Garcia for real? And why did such fatal flowers bloom from seeds of light? When news broke a day later on January 19, 1985, that Jerry Garcia, 42 years old, had been arrested, the reason came as a shock to those who didn't know him for real. Jerry was charged with possession of narcotics for sale on account of the multiple bindles of drugs in his car along with almost $1,000 in cash. The LA Times reported that Jerry had actually been caught smoking the stuff. And those closest to Jerry weren't shocked in the least. They knew he had a problem. As he sang, every silver lining got a touch of debilitating addiction to heavy narcotics or something like that. Jerry's drug use was spiraling out of control. And just days earlier, in an attempt to help, the dead's manager staged the latest in an ongoing series of interventions. This time, Jerry said he'd do something about it. He hopped into the BMW with the expired tags, Destination, a treatment facility in Oakland. He only made it halfway there before he pulled off the side of a roadway in Golden Gate Park where he was busted with that long, strange list of substances, paraphernalia, and exactly $990 in cash. And that money went towards the $7,250 bail he posted shortly after he was booked into the San Francisco PD's Richmond station. Some didn't want to believe it then, and some still don't believe it now. The Captain Trips was tripping out on the hard stuff, and that the figurehead of one of the most beloved bands in the world, a band worth millions of dollars, a band whose members could do anything they wanted with whomever they wanted, wherever they wanted, chose to sit alone in a car with nothing but bindles of brown and white powder to keep him company just over a gram of cocaine and heroin to be exact. Jerry wound up getting a slap on the wrist. He traded jail time for participation in a drug diversion program and an appearance at a benefit concert for Haight-Ashbury Food Program. I want to return something to the community, he told the press outside the courtroom. I'm from here and the town has always been good to me. In Jerry's mind, yesterday was gone. There was no looking back and tomorrow was just a word, an idea. The only time was the now. The now didn't include all the evidence confiscated on that day in January 1985, aka the drugs, but it didn't matter. There would always be more bindles, more foils, and more Ziploc baggies, more interventions to avoid and an unrelenting addiction to feed. But there wouldn't be another brown briefcase. The briefcase the police had taken didn't just house all the contraband that outed Jerry Garcia as a junkie. Years later, in 2015, Two decades after Jerry's death, dead lyricist Robert Hunter explicitly discussed the time Jerry got busted in Golden Gate Park with Rolling Stone magazine. Quote, I happen to know that briefcase had a number of new songs he was working on, Hunter told the magazine. A lot of those songs disappeared. Doesn't seem right. If the police still have them, I'd like them back, please, unquote. A spokeswoman for the police department responded saying that if Hunter knew the original case number from all the way back in 1985, from 30 goddamn years before, he could contact the department and they could help him retrieve it. And just two weeks after that interview appeared, however, 
The San Francisco Examiner published an article in which they obtained a record from the San Francisco Police Department's evidence tracking system. And that record revealed that the briefcase had actually been released from police custody on November 20th, 1985, 10 months after Jerry's arrest. It was released to a quote-unquote responsible party, which meant either Jerry or his attorney at the time signed it out. Following the Rolling Stone and Examiner articles, a blog called The Chicken Hawk reached out to David Hellman, Jerry's longtime tax attorney and co-executor of his estate, in hopes that he would have more information that would shed light on what could potentially be a treasure trove of unpublished, unheard Grateful Dead songs. Were you Jerry's attorney at the time? The letter asked. Did you take possession of the briefcase? Attorney Hellman responded with one short and cryptic sentence. Any information that I have is not available to the public. When Payne and I first started Dead and Gone, we flew up to Maine. We stopped at a gas station. While in line to pay, Payne noticed a Grateful Dead shirt on the person checking out in front of him. After they walked out, we approached them. We're doing a story about the Grateful Dead and then this kind of phenomenon of missing and murdered deadheads. There's a kid named Jeremy Alex who went missing. I know like the, you know, the traveling part. I definitely know that there is instances where we're a lot freer, so we end up in a lot of places that other people wouldn't. So the chances of somebody falling into something that they're either not familiar with, like a place or people or yeah. a group of people. Yeah. Yeah, but, too, when you go to a show like that, most of the time your mind state's altered at some point, so you're not really in your right frame of mind, so. You gotta be realistic. Like, I managed to do the dead tours for like 10 years. Like, I lived in a camper for 15 years. I lived all over the country. I've seen like most states besides Alaska and Hawaii. So, like, I'm an artist, I do wire work. So, like, that for me was a way that I could make money on the road, too. Like, that was yeah. my way of being able to see the entire country and still have like a safe place to like go and work for the day and still be able to go out and like go to state parks and go. You know, like, it wasn't just about the music. It's very much about, like, the general experience of traveling. And that, like, that to me is, like, a lot of, like, how you guys are looking up missing persons. Like, that to me, like, when you are given that much freedom in life to just, like, go and do whatever you want, Mm -hmm. and then you realize that that's tangible, but you don't stay on that light side. Like, maybe you do get really fucked up one weekend, or maybe, like, you know, like, something changes where, like, depression kicks in, like, There's a very fine line between, you know, sanity and, you know, insanity in that kind of situation. And it only takes one day like that to make somebody homeless, too. So, like, I feel like a lot of missing persons, it's not necessarily like a malicious murder thing, where, yes, it totally could be. But I find that, like, there's a lot of people that disappear, like, off of their grid because they end up in some place they don't know who they are they can't get in touch with their families like nobody in that community knows them or supports them so they end up like drifting like that's like you find a lot of drifters in the community so for me like i'm really lucky that i never fell into like a path of addiction of any way either but like if you really think about the you know the the reality of what's going on is there is you know a large drug influence in that scene and like a lot of people are altering their mind state so they're not necessarily the same person that they went in there to and if you know like if you're just on the road and you have no family you have nobody that you're checking in with you you know like it's a very fine line between doing a tour and having fun and enjoying it and like taking the most out of life to like you cross that line and then you're just some kid in some city that lost his mind and 
the dead community moved on to the next town to go to the next show and you're still stuck in that town you know like I, I see that as something that happens a lot like you go to San Francisco you don't you go to Haight Street there's kids that have been there for five years that came there okay and you know kind of lost their gourd a little bit so it's really a happy medium it's it's it is going to be what you take from any situation in life. What and is it about Grateful Dead culture that kind of opens the door for that a little bit, do you think? I mean, honestly, I think it's just like anything else in life. There's good and bad and everything. And like some people are really there for the music and the experience and the community and, you know, the support of the arts. Like that's what I've taken from the Grateful Dead. I necessarily haven't experienced that dark side, not to say that I haven't seen it. I see kids at the end of shows like, not being able to move in a parking lot and they're too fucked up and they lost their ride or their dog's gone or there's plenty of that CD element but there's also like that attraction of Someone like comes the up arts to you, they're, like, the... they're like can you help me find my girlfriend they're like alright yeah what's your girlfriend's name like, I don't know <laughs> I don't my... know how helpful we are no it's great yeah man I, I, I was just I saw part. a dude in the Grateful Dead shirt and I was like eh she's probably talking to him <laughs> I mean this is a decent area to be like even if you I go to Belfast why is that I, I swear since I touched down we're staying in Portland but since I've been here in Maine in general, I just see Grateful Dead shit everywhere. First of all, we're everywhere. Like, yeah. that's that's a thing. Like, deadheads are everywhere, all over the world. It's not just an American phenomenon either, you know? Like, so I think deadheads just, like, wear, you know, emblems or, like, wear a t-shirt because just like that. Like, if you were a deadhead, you would have been like, what's up, brother? How you doing? Yeah, exactly. And we could have chatted for 10 minutes yeah. and then you would have ended up over at my, my shop and hanging out and having lunch with us for half a, you know, like that's the part of being, you know, a deadhead that we really like. It's like that connection. That's why people are so outward about it because it really is this cool built-in family, just yeah. like anything else. You have to be careful and make your own decisions and stay safe with anything. But it's a really cool social element to just be able to like recognize that somebody else has maybe like lived in a van and traveled for four months straight. Like that's a really cool bonding experience and you put yourself out there, you're out of your comfort zone. So when you get to like be in real life and relate to people that have gone through the same kind of things as you, it's fun. If I had a Grateful Dead shirt on and you saw me in line behind you, what would you have said? I would be like, no shirt, dude. Yeah. And then what happened? We just start shooting the shit about Grateful Dead? Yeah, I'd probably end up saying like, oh dude, if you guys are in the Depends area, you're from Atlanta. I was like, come down to my restaurant, I'll feed you lunch. So like that's the kind of aspect like, and on top of it, you end up meeting people that you've already met. You know, like you could yeah. be 3,000 miles away and I have world, just man. as many friends here as I do in California and just as many friends in Idaho. And sometimes I'll see them in random places in other parts of the country. In 2004, Jeremy Alex was only 28 years old when he went missing. Two days before, he was helping his girlfriend of three years, Suzanne, move into a new house they would share. But he was acting erratically. When he arrived to help out, he was angry and paranoid. He said that people were after him, and he started freaking out. He accused Suzanne and claimed her and two of their friends were outside of his house the night before, wearing ski masks. She realized he was on one of his rare cocaine binges and went upstairs to her room crying. He followed her in and tried to calm her down, flipping a switch and acting completely different than he was before. Later, Suzanne heads downstairs to help him move more furniture, but he's distant and won't tell her what's bothering him, even though she asked several times. She told him to go home and sleep it off, 
And that was the last time she saw Jeremy. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I have done here and there on the Strange Main blog bits and pieces about true crime stuff. There was a body found in Evergreen Cemetery, which is one of my favorite places in Portland and they needed help identifying the person at first, and I posted about that. Doing those stories made me realize that it's not just an isolated incident. There's always just this huge network of people that it's affected. It can get really, really dark. This is Michelle Soulier. She runs a local blog called Strange Maine, True Tales from the Pine Tree State. In 2011, she wrote a story titled The Mystery of Jeremy Alex. When you start treading that spider web that goes out from any given crime, it's astonishing where that will take you, and a lot of the time you find it's someplace you did not want to go. It's such an easy rabbit hole to fall down because, I mean, if you have Nancy Drew tendencies like I do, that's you want to you flex those, and you want to find things out, and you want to make a positive change, and then you realize that wow, some of this stuff is not, there's not going to be any reward. One of the things about Maine that I don't think a lot of people realize is it is many Mains. Southern Maine is very different from when you get up to Portland. Portland's very different from Sanford, which is over in the west. People will call Bangor Northern Maine, but Bangor is only a few hours from Portland. Northern Maine is really where my husband grew up in Aroostook County, which is five hours north. That part of Maine is so far away from Portland that there's a massive difference in culture and job opportunities and cost of living. As in many small towns and remote areas, there's been a lot of youth leaving to go to bigger opportunities elsewhere. As a teenager, as a 20-something, that is a very keenly felt pull. In Maine, one of your worries as a kid growing up and trying to push your boundaries is that you're going to get stuck where you are. There's that constant push to get out, go do something, see the world. Maybe you might get stuck back home again later, but go out there and take a chance while you can. You know, you're with the same people. Everybody's watching what you do. It's that small town thing where everybody knows what everybody else is doing. The economy is hugely seasonally dependent everything from the tourist industry to the lobstering and fishing industry. 
There are moments of desperation when you're looking at a season that is not happening the way it should be. You find yourself in situations where you might change your mind about what you're willing to do to make some extra money. A lot of that stuff can be kind of sticky and not easy to walk away from once you're in it. In a lot of these small towns, if you're not creatively inclined yourself, you might not have a way to distract yourself from the fact that there's not much going on there. Like, not everybody is all about, you know, going and sitting in the woods and just chilling. A lot of people need stimulation. And when you get involved with a borderline culture, that gives you plenty of drama and excitement. Doing those posts, I would be contacted by family members, by people who had been affected by the crime. And so it was a real eye-opener that these are not just this thing happened. This thing happened and it affected a huge amount of people who are still, sometimes decades later, still haunted by it, scarred by it, destroyed by it. It's pretty clear from the comments on my original post about it that even today, people are still moved by this case. We all know, either we've experienced ourselves or we have family members and friends that have been destroyed by their involvement in drugs, whether from the use or from the people you run into. I think at a certain age, you realize how close we all are from something horrible happening and us just disappearing or somebody you love just disappearing. And so I think it, especially the Jeremy Alex story, moves people. Maybe some other kids will have a route away from stuff like that. The longevity of that post compared to some of my other posts, I think has to do with that fact that, you know, we all know somebody who's been in that situation or we've been in that situation ourselves and it, it rings true and we can understand the tragedy of it and reach out to express our sympathy that this is one of those weird, almost unsolvable problems that exists as part of being human. The people who feel like they have knowledge or are involved are so tangled up in it that it sounds like they don't, nobody wants to let go of the actual information they have. They want to let people know they have it, but they're, I don't know if they're too scared or what? Let it out and let it be part of the solution. It's definitely interesting that there is definitely a repetition of certain names and certain circumstances that a number of people seem to agree upon. I think that's worth looking into. I don't know if it'll amount to anything or not. I think it's just another indication of one of those cases where the outcome was a sad and tragic ending for somebody. But that simple ending is indicative of a much wider ranging problem, which is affecting a lot of people to the current day. And I think that it speaks very clearly to that. The push and pull between law enforcement and local populations and the people who are doing things that are not legal to you know, get their gains, and how those forces combine sometimes in a very terrible way in the ending of somebody's life. Small towns have long memories. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling meeting new friends or just even to master a new skill but it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes that's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. He's really funny and sassy and a super smart ass. And he had eyes that smiled. He had a great smile, a goofy laugh, and I played guitar and so did he. So we both had instant connection with music. This is one of Jeremy's close friends, Kathy. We went to concerts together. He definitely was a fan of the Grateful Dead. We spent a lot of time on lots, and he played a lot of guitar. And so some of the musical influences of some of the songs he would play and music he would play would be definitely Grateful Dead inspired. That's some of my really clear right off the bat memories. He definitely loved the dead. But yeah, this is like he wasn't on tour when he disappeared, right? He was 
this was like right in his back friggin yard so long ago it's like it feels like ages ago we're all just in our late teens when we met back in I don't know 1993 94 we were just kids it sucks and it's it's really interesting it's interesting to get a call from you because I for whatever reason just recently discovered podcasts like in the last year and a half I listened to this podcast it was about a drummer this this drummer that got shot and anyway it just it really started to bring up a lot of emotion for me and Jeremy's loss. I had seen yours and I actually started listening just recently to your podcast. And these podcasts have brought it back again. And it makes me feel frustrated and upset that we have no idea what happened to him. It's so strange. And, and I'm really glad that you're looking into it. It's been really fascinating listening to how these investigative reporters, I'm like, damn, they're doing a better job than the cops in some of these cases that I've listened to. It's been a really long time, but that love for somebody doesn't ever go away. And that desire for the knowing of what happened to that person never goes away either that desire for his family to know what happened to him. None of that ever goes away. Time goes by, but the desire to understand what happens still stays the same. And every time I hear on the news that a body's been found, it's very rare that we hear these things, but it always just like, is it Jeremy? Is it Jeremy? Since Jeremy Alex went missing, There have been several reports of human remains discovered in Maine, but so far, none of them have been a match. It was learned that his van was discovered kind of not far from where he lived. It was just sort of parked in this place. It was like just right down the road from where he lived. And it's tough to recall, but there was certain things that were in the van that were kind of off. There were strange things about the van being left where it was and him not being, well, basically anywhere. When the police discovered Jeremy's van in a parking lot, it was unlocked and they found his cell phone and keys inside. They used Jeremy's cell to call his dad and leave a voicemail. When his dad got the message, he made the drive from New Hampshire to Maine to investigate. I recall that a neighbor, maybe close to where the van was parked, had had an interaction with him. And that was odd. And everything about it was just so off. His girlfriend, Suzanne, wasn't the last witness to see Jeremy. Before he disappeared, he was spotted in a backyard, not far from where his van was parked. Oh, he either went down the Pound Hill Road, heading towards Saturday Cove, or he went, cut through to the boatyard and out onto Route 1. And the only thing I can think of is he cut, the animal shelter has 50, yard, uh, 50 acres over there. He cut up through the woods towards the Bay Ridge Road and then cut through the through the woods and came down our woods road into our backyard. This is Cynthia. 
She was looking out her window when she saw Jeremy enter her backyard after he emerged from the woods. She recognized him. She called her husband over, and they approached him. He ran through our backyard. My husband tried to calm him down. He claimed somebody was chasing him. She said he was scared and holding cash. The bad guys are after me. He wasn't coherent. It seemed like he was running from someone. Jeremy offered them money if they would let him go. Next to our property was the animal, Baldur County Animal Shelter, inherited some property over there, and there was an empty parking lot, and kids would go hang out there and do drugs. And then he, he must have been on something because all of a sudden then he recognized me because I happened to be work at the high school in the office where he went to school, and he went to school with my son. And he, and he thought I was the librarian, which I wasn't. I was a secretary. And then he jumped up and knocked my husband back and took off through our field, and that was the last we saw of him. It's, it's one of those things where it could mean all kinds of things. You know, a lot of time has gone by, and I'm... You know, we're, it's been so long, and it's it could have it, it could have been a number of things, but it could have been somebody was really chasing him, and that could that is an absolute reality. And I think that with the fact that he's missing and gone, I think that that is a for real thing. You know, it's clear that drugs are involved, and that he was taking drugs, and so. When you right when we take drugs and we reach a certain point where it's beyond recreation, paranoia like there's there's all these added levels. But that being said, you know I always thought Jeremy to have a really straight head. I've known him for, I knew him for a lot of years during all all kinds of different phases of life, and he always was a really smart, calculated person. And that was another quality of him that I really loved and enjoyed of him he was he was he was really clever and for the most part on top of things but you know again drugs can like really fuck with all that and fuck with perspectives and make things make you not on your on top of your game as much that being said i also feel that yeah it's i think somebody could have also been really fucking after him i think it could have been a combination of both it's really tough you know you you lose somebody like jeremy and you come up with all kinds of scenarios suddenly the door opens of all kinds of possibilities could be a reality somebody chasing him i think is 100 percent part of that potential reality Thanks for checking out Dead and Gone. Dead and Gone is written, hosted, and produced by Payne Lindsay and Jake Brennan. Check out Jake's other music and true crime show, Disgraceland, about musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly, as well as Payne's other shows, Radio Rental, Atlanta Monster, and Up and Vanished. Dead and Gone is a production of Tenderfoot TV and Double Elvis, and brought to you by Cadence 13 
and executive produced by Donald Albright, Payne Lindsay, Brady Sadler, and Jake Brennan. The show is produced by myself, Mike Rooney, Alex Vespasted, and Eric Quintana. Mixed by Cooper Skinner. Music by Makeup and Vanity Set. With additional music services by Ryan Spraker. Additional mixing by Matt Bowden. Additional writing by Zeth Lundy. Copy edited by Pat Healy. Research and reporting by Eric Tricky. Cover design by Matt Mills for mattmillsart.com. Special thanks to Orn Rosenbaum and Grace Royer from UTA. Ryan Nord, Jesse Nord, and Matthew Papa from the Nord Group. Chris Cochran and the Cadence 13 team, Beck Media and Marketing, Station 16, and the teams at Tenderfoot TV and Double Elvis. And as always, thank you for your support. You know that science solves crimes. Forensic science is exciting, challenging, and most of all, rewarding work. But there is a shortage of qualified individuals in this field. Hi, I'm Terry with Loyola University, Maryland's Forensic Science Department. Loyola is one of the only colleges in the country offering advanced degrees in forensic pattern analysis and biological forensics. Our courses, taught by forensic experts, feature hands-on training and small class sizes. They are based on real crime scene and forensic examiner training programs to ensure you are ready to make a difference. Our programs are open to students from a variety of academic backgrounds because we believe everyone can contribute to solving crimes. So what are you waiting for? Discover the excitement of forensic science at Loyola University, Maryland. Visit loyola.edu forward slash forensic for more information. That's loyola.edu forward slash forensic because you are ready to make a difference. Join one of Loyola University Maryland's forensic science programs today.